You might know ADP as the biggest name in payroll, but that's just the beginning. Because ADP is transforming the way great work gets done. With HR, talent, time, benefits, and payroll. Informed by data and designed for people. That's ADP. Always designing for people. From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Potomac Watch. Hello, I'm Bill McGurn, filling in for Paul Jago. You're listening to the Wall Street Journal's Potomac Watch. With me today are Kim Strassel. Hi, Kim. Hi. And we're going to talk about the two big stories this week. Um, uh, Bill Barr, his announcement, and uh, the arrest of Julian Assange over in uh, Britain. Let's start with Bill Barr. You wrote a uh, great column today, Kim, um, on this. Tell us, uh, for people who aren't paying attention, what what the impact is, not, not just of Barr himself, which who is a force of nature, but the fact that for the first time in two years, we have an attorney general who's not recused from perhaps a major investigation of these last few years. Yeah, I think this is so important because we've focused on the Mueller report and now we are focusing on, thankfully, Bill Barr is focusing on how, in light of the fact that Mueller did not find collusion, we ended up with our top law enforcement ever getting to a place where they suspected it. But I think an important part of the story that's been missed is how long it has taken us to get an attorney general who could ask that question. And it it wasn't an accident, okay? We, we had Jim Comey, the former FBI director, who you know, we now know purposely hid this probe from all the other adults in Washington. He didn't tell Congress about it. He wasn't straight with the FISA court about uh, the derivation of the dossier. Um, he didn't give a defensive briefing to the Trump campaign. Um, and I think you can assume that this was in part because the FBI believed Hillary Clinton would win and nobody would know. So there would be no accountability. And then when Trump did win, uh, we saw both the purposeful leaking of all all of this information to give the FBI some cover and and ultimately to uh, cause a special counsel to be appointed, which put on ice a lot of the questions getting asked, and also a, an attempt, well, a successful attempt to push Attorney General, then Attorney General Jeff Sessions out of the way so that he couldn't do an internal review. And so we've had nobody there to look at this, and it's really good news we finally do. Well, Ken, you know that um, uh, Mr. Barr's predecessor, Jeff Sessions, one of the conditions for him staying in the job was to recuse himself. Do you think looking back on it now, knowing what we know now, that that was the goal rather than defeating his candidacy outright? Because it's been an incredible run for the FBI and justice kind of not to have any accountability because of this uh, crippled attorney general. And if Jeff Sessions had stepped down, uh, immediately, instead of recusing himself, uh, they might have got someone, you know, as strong as Bill Barr in there. Yeah, and I do think that that's a pity. Look, it was always ridiculous that Jeff Sessions should have to step down, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy was a respected member of the Senate. I think he had been attorney general in his own state before he came to the Senate, uh, a longstanding lawyer and, and respected person. The notion that because he was at an event or two where there was also a Russian president present uh, was grounds that he should have to recuse himself from all things Russian was crazy. 
which is why I think we have to assume that at least some of the people who are pushing for it on the Democratic side, they did so. They probably knew about the dossier and maybe what the FBI had been up to. Republicans wouldn't find out about that for a long time. Um, and so, you know, Jeff Sessions, perhaps he didn't the only thing I think I could say in his favor is, at least in the beginning, I think when he was making that decision to recuse, he was not aware of the extent to which the FBI had uh, and he was advised, potentially. He was advised this way by justice lawyers, I believe, right? Yeah, exactly. So he didn't really know. Um, and it was only after he recused that we got a sense of just how deep this problem was and how much it required some attention from within the Department of Justice. And by that point, it was impossible. And and so now we have Bill Barr. When he first came, um, when he first came in, I, I don't mean this time, in his previous iteration as attorney general, I mean, he got the almost unanimous support of the Senate going in. He was a figure almost like Bob Mueller in the sense of being universally praised for his integrity and his honesty and so forth. Um, that sure has changed now, right? I mean, has he changed oh. or the circumstances have changed? Well, Democrats are now out to get him. Look, he's a, a represents a huge threat to all of those that have <clears throat> continued the collusion narrative over the past couple of years. Um, and that includes not just the people that were in government at the time, the folks like Jim Comey or potentially former DNI James Clapper or former CIA director John Brennan, but also, um, you know, the media, uh, Democrats who may have known about the Clinton dirty trick operation, all sorts of folks. So they have an institutional interest now, a collective interest in disparaging him and undermining him and suggesting he has no integrity. There are already calls for him to resign, which is crazy. Right. And one of the things that he has to do is sort of restore the credibility of these two institutions, justice and the FBI. And one of the uh, one of the most contested issues is this Russia counterintelligence investigation launched in 2016. The FBI official story was that it was launched July 34th, and it was triggered by information they got that Alexander Downer, Australia's ambassador to the UK, had met with George Papadopoulos, who said that um, he knew the Russians had some damaging material on Hillary. Uh, according to even Mr. Downer, he didn't say emails, he didn't even say dirt, he just said damaging material. And that was enough to... Um, launch an investigation. I mean, I think they would say they had other things, but it's extraordinary to me that the people that feel that was enough, and now we know there was no there there because we had the special counsel's investigation, that that was enough to begin an extraordinary secret investigation into a presidential candidate. And yet the same people are howling now that Mr. Barr says, well, maybe we should look and make sure that that was predicated um, adequately. In other words, that they had the right to do that. It wasn't a mistake. It was worse well, than a mistake. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that, or that it's worse than a mistake. So the same people. I mean, if you read the FBI counsel's, uh, James Baker's testimony, where he's saying that the FBI agents or the top officials that he was meeting with after Mr. Comey got fired, they're all sitting around speculating, gee, um, he did this because Putin wanted him to. I mean, I think that's been on the basis of the flimsiest. Actually, I don't think there is evidence uh, for it. And they launched an investigation. And yet, again, the same people now 
take great umbrage that they may have to explain those actions. Well, the the FBI's story that this was launched on the basis of the Papadopoulos tip was always, to my mind, the flimsiest read of a story, right? It it almost strained credulity that you would mobilize the entire FBI in an unprecedented counterintelligence investigation into a sitting presidential campaign um, on the basis of the idea that a third-tier campaign aide that nobody had ever heard of had months earlier uttered a sentence about Hillary Clinton's email server at a time when everyone was talking about Hillary Clinton's emails. Um, So I think a lot of us have always assumed that there's a lot more there there, and that is what Barr is looking into. And we're going to find out finally whether or not this FBI origin story is true. But yeah, you're right. Look, it was devastating when when Bob Mueller came out and said there was no collusion and he couldn't bring anything there. Then obviously the question has to be, all right, how did all of that happen then? How did our law enforcement get to this place? Because it is a big deal. And that was my favorite part of his testimony, Bill, this week. He just said, yeah, it's a big deal when the FBI is monitoring a presidential campaign. Right, right. Okay, we're going to have to take a short break there. You're listening to Potomac Watch from the Wall Street Journal. I'm Bill McGurn filling in for Paul Jago. You might know ADP as the biggest name in payroll, but that's just the beginning. Because ADP is transforming the way great work gets done. With HR, talent, time, benefits, and payroll. Informed by data and designed for people. That's ADP. Always designing for people. From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Potomac Watch. Hello, I'm Bill McGurn, filling in for Paul Jago today. With me is Kim Strassel, and you're listening to the Wall Street Journal's Potomac Watch. Kim, just to wrap up the bar, the Bob Barr thing, the significance of what he said about the investigation is 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 twofold, right? It's on the one hand, do we know we don't even know for sure when it really happened, right? You you've cast out on the July thirty first um launch of the investigation because there were other little activities going on before that. The question I have to you, is this because what they're afraid that Mr. Barr will find out is that a group of opposition researchers commissioned this sleazy document from from a Trump-hating former British intelligence officer, and then the mem- members of the you know Hillary campaign or affiliates of the Hillary campaign then push that to get an investigation on their rival. I mean, that would be an outrageous uh, thing to have happened. And the question, the number one question, and I think what Mr. Barr is looking at is when exactly did the FBI and Fusion GPS, which is that oppo research firm, when did they tie up? Okay, because there's been an enormous amount of effort on the behalf of anonymous sources at the FBI and at, within Fusion to suggest that none of this happened with their dossier. It didn't even get into FBI hands until well after the investigation was launched. I mean, there's still a New York Times story online that makes the claim that it didn't make its way to the FBI until the middle of September. Right. But we now have testimony that was given to Congress under oath uh, from people like Bruce Orr, the Justice Department attorney, saying, well, actually, 
he met up with Christopher Steele on July 30th, the day before the investigation launched, and he obtained a copy of the dossier there, and he turned it over to FBI senior people. We also know that there are contacts early in the spring already between one of these human informants the FBI used, Stephen Halper, and guys like Carter Page. It happened well before the election. I mean, well before the beginning of the investigation. So a lot of really big unanswered questions, and um, we we still have a lot to learn. Well, let's hope that uh, Mr. Barr can get to it. He's got a lot on his plate. He's got three Inspector General reports coming out, one on FISA, one on leaks, one on um, gifts that DOJ and FBI people were taking and they shouldn't have. He's got the criminal referrals coming over from Devin Nunes. Um, he's got Mr. Huber, a U.S. attorney, looking into the charges against Andrew McCabe. He's got a lot to pull off in not a lot of time. So. Yes, he yes he does. Um, and look, I do think he has a little bit of breathing room, though, only in this regard that he said during his congressional testimony that he now expects the inspector general to finish his report probably at the end of May or in June. And I would find it unlikely that Mr. Barr would move with any of his own conclusions until he had seen what the inspector general had to, to give him. So he does have a couple of months to start doing his own search. Okay, let's switch to the other big news. And this was the arrest of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange after Ecuador revoked the uh, asylum it had given him in its London embassy. So um, people have kind of forgotten about this story, but uh, he's, a, he's a curious person. So WikiLeaks basically published classified information that came to them, right? And um, they published a big chunk of information that then Bradley Manning, now Chelsea Manning, who is a U.S. Army analyst, had stolen, um, had stolen for them. They put it up there. So then Mr. Assange was in, in Europe and in Britain, and then there was a, a rape allegation from Sweden. And he jumped bail in Britain to take refuge in this embassy. So he's got, he's got a couple of charges. He's now, he's now detained by British authorities, but he's got a answer to the jail jumping charge, which could be a year in prison. And uh, there's talk that the woman who initially brought the rape charges in Sweden wants prosecutors to reopen that account. It was closed mostly on the grounds that they couldn't reach him because he was stuck inside the embassy. What is Julian Assange's significance, um, uh, this arrest? I mean, it was quite a spectacle, and he apparently didn't go willingly. Well, it matters a great deal, uh, and here's why. For starters, you know, look, this information that he published was immensely damaging to U.S. national security. What kind of uh, information it, was it? A lot, a lot of it war-related, right? Describing yes, that, Iraq that put and Afghanistan. People, right. That put people who were actively aiding and helping the United States in potential harm's way by um, – exposing their names and uh, interactions that they'd had with us. It was it was a very bad thing. Um, now, 
some people have made the case that you know WikiLeaks is its own form of journalism. Right. Um, but but even if you accept that, by the way, I still would make the distinction between newspapers that seek to inform the public, and sometimes with things that are secrets, but also outlets that simply throw things out there to undermine a country, which is what Assange did. But even if you accept that he's a journalist, what's notable about these charges is that they're not focused on his journalism. It's not focused on the Espionage Act or going after the press. The specific charge that's being made against him is that he provided aid to Chelsea Manning uh, in terms of how to crack passcodes uh, and, and hack into um, government databases. Yeah, that, that's uh, quite significant because it turned out after he was arrested that this indictment had been filed under, under seal last year. People didn't know what was in it, but it had leaked out inadvertently that there was um, something against him. So it's a single count. And the count is not about publishing this information. The count is about his work to infiltrate a computer by trying to work on this password. I think they had half the password and they were trying to get the other half. And the advantage of using that password is that it would have given them access to material that Chelsea Manning did not have at the time as a result of her job, um, and it would make it harder to detect, to trace it back to her, because you would be going in. On, it was like if I went in on computers with uh, your email and credentials, it'd be a lot harder to trace it back to me unless someone saw me there at the time and could place me. So that's interesting because it, it also avoids a whole problem that they might otherwise have with the press of people saying, if you're going to punish someone just for publishing things, you know, we're all vulnerable. He might have, uh, Mr. Assange might have had more support in that case um, if they had done it. But it, it looks like a very careful and deliberate decision to go the route of sticking into trying to break into the computer and get pry the information out. Yeah. And it's interesting how hard um, Mr. Assange and his lawyers are working to drag it back into the press discussion, right. right, the First Amendment field, and that they are claiming, well, indeed, Mr. Assange's help was necessary uh, to protect his source's identity. Um, but I think that could be a very hard lift to make in court, especially given the way that they have framed these charges, because, you know, it, it's equivalent, like like going and aiding a source to break into right. a, a government facility is not respectable journalism, right? right? Well, people... Um, People like people give us documents all the time. I've had classified information or di different government documents, maybe not always classified, that someone had given to me. But I have never, one, encouraged people to break in illegally, to illegally access information, and two, much less be part of it. I mean, he didn't just encourage Chelsea Manning to do He was, from what I understand, working on the password himself to try to crack the code. I mean... I, I don't know any journalists that do that. Well, right. Could you imagine if uh, it came out that one of us, uh, we went to our boss and we said, hey, you know, I got a source willing to give me this stuff, only I have to go and break into the Pentagon with him right. in order to obtain it. I mean, <laughs> Paul Jigo would, you know, laugh us out of the building, probably fire us within an hour. And not just Paul, most, uh, most editors in the country, right? Oh, it's, of course, right. It's a because bright there line is a distinction. Line. 
Um, and, and that's why I think it's important to make this distinction about what Assange did, what he's being charged for. I've heard a lot of unfortunate commentary on television, etc. lately, comparing this to the Pentagon Papers, right. comparing it in the press realm. That is not what this case is about. Right. It's interesting. Um, he's always been a hero to some on the libertarian right, um, kind of in the way that Edward Snowden was a hero for, for stealing information and making it public. He's always, there's a, there's been a sector that's always um, applauded him that way. And in the beginning, um, a lot of people um, cheered him on because they thought that the stuff he released about the war was embarrassing to the George W. Bush administration and undermined U.S. efforts in Iraq and Afghanistan by embarrassing us with some of these details. And so in the beginning, it was sort of the right looking skeptically at him, except for maybe a few libertarians. But now that's flipped because he's he published a lot of these Hillary Clinton emails that a lot of people suspect, we haven't proved it yet, uh, came from Russia. That Russia did the hacking that got the, um, the Hillary Clinton emails. So once it was Hillary Clinton, then a lot of the other people that might have been down on him were... Um, Kind of positive. That includes, unfortunately, I think the president, where he, you know, he said on the campaign stop a few times, "I love WikiLeaks." Uh, so it's um, it's been really muddy because depending on whose political ox is getting gored, uh, some people have applauded him in one case and not applauded him in the other. I'm proud that the Wall Street Journal was has been against him from the start. Well, that has been the frustration every time there's a discussion of Julian Assange is, is one, as you said, he has become a, a back and forth partisan hero for various people who, as a result, aren't necessarily looking at his actions, but are looking at the outcomes of it. Who did it bear us and, and did that help them on that particular day? And, you know, that that's just a, a frustrating thing. But the other one, too, is that, you know, discussions of Julian Assange tend to wade us into this incredibly weird area of transparency. And, you know, I, I always get frustrated with the very sloppy thinking about transparency because we as a society have been told that any time that government is more transparent, that it's a good thing. <laughs> um, and this is certainly something Assange has traded off, right, is, you know, I am I am revealing the secrets of government. But, you know, it, it is sloppy thinking. You go and you ask 90 percent of Americans, uh, they would not agree with, for instance, putting our battle plan plans in real time online so that our enemies can see what's going to happen and all of our servicemen get killed. Um, people understand that there are limits to transparency and guys like Julian Assange don't care about those limits and don't care about uh, the lives lost or risked or other damage that come from putting these things out. Yeah. And I, I think the same you could say with uh, Ed Snowden and um, Chelsea Manning. I mean, you don't get to decide. Um, what should be made public. Uh, I worked in government. I took that oath. I took it very seriously. And we we were very serious about classified information. When I was at the White House, if you left the folder that was classified on your desk and went downstairs to get a Coke or go to the men's room, you could be cited for a security violation. It's, it's a very, very um, serious thing. So for someone to just take it upon themselves to uh, steal this and put it out there, which does what? And encourages enemies. And I, I, frankly, I didn't see Julian Assange embarrassing Russia or China with leaks of their sensitive information. It always seemed to damage only one authority, which was the United States. 
in uh, in how he operated. Um, but now he he it may take a while. I think this extradition battle is going to be interesting. Depends whether the Brits think that he has to stay in jail there for the jump for the bail jumping or um, go to Sweden. But um, he's he's not looking at a very happy future right now. No, and. It'll also be interesting if he is ultimately extradited here to the United States, just what else he's going to be asked, because obviously he's in trouble for these national security leaks that were done with via Chelsea Manning. But remember, his other more recent roles, which was producing some of these emails uh, that were hacked during the 2016 election. And I have no doubt that a lot of a lot of federal law enforcement officials and a lot of senators and House members, were they able to get their hands on him, would have a, a great deal of questions about what he knows about Russia's involvement with that, for instance, um, and some of the other key details that get to that hacking question. Well, we're gonna, they're going to want to talk to him in the Roger Stone case, right? I mean, half of them. Um... Um, the the case against Roger Stone is that he advertised relations with Julian Assange that were probably stronger than what he that were probably not as strong as what he claimed, and then he tried to back away from that when um, people started looking at that. So that could play a factor in um, um, in that area, and as well as the Russian. We we don't really know. I mean, we know Russia was up to stuff. We don't know what they did. There's we don't know that he got the emails from Russia to have to point out he's always denied that he did it, but he's, you know, proved himself obviously the not, uh, not the most honest person, uh, there. So, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough and it'll be interesting to see if a lot of these people that, who applauded him as a hero were still going to do it. I'm, I still come across a few and I have to say I'm quite stunned. Yeah, I look. I mean, I mean, in a world where, where William Barr is an enemy of freedom and Julian Assange is a hero, that's not my world. I don't live in that world. And I think most Americans don't live in that world. Well, you make an excellent point. If Julian Assange, I would love to see Julian Assange aim his what is supposed to be quite large network of people who help him and work with him and get him information why don't you do a little bit of digging in you know repressive regimes where people are getting often um bad guys are in charge and bring some of that to light um that would be something that might actually be worthy and applaudable but i see very little that wikileaks has ever done that is in fact applaudable right and uh, the prosecution looks very serious i'm assuming that before, I mean, this indictment again was before Bill Barr took over as Attorney General, um, but they've had it uh, waiting. I assume they have some evidence of this because it's quite specific about his role. You know, trying to crack this um, the safe. There's no evidence, by the way, that they actually did get in. I think he has an email uh, to Chelsea Manning saying, um, "I haven't been able to do it," but they were, you know, they were trying uh, the whole time. So. Yeah, and we'll see what else they have as well, too. They obviously haven't revealed everything that they have just in this indictment. They they would presumably, given, as you said, how specific it is, there is likely a great deal more, which we'll find about as the proceedings go, which, although, if they go, again, it is entirely up to Britain at this point if they want to keep them or if they're going to hand them over who they hand them over to first. Well, it, it shows, I mean, we're in a brave new world where people can put on a server outside the control of government 
um, information such as he did, publish all of America's secrets that he got his hands on. Um, now, in the end, he, he um, you know, he, that got him in a little fix because there were not a lot of places to go. You know, when Edward Snowden did that, the only place that was really open to him was Moscow. Um, it turns out you sort of need the nation states, even if you're going to do this, someone uh, to give you the cover. So I think we're going to, we're going to, whatever WikiLeaks is, we're going to have a lot more of those. Um, and the question will be, again, are they just accepting information? There are a lot of websites and so forth that just print what comes along. Or are they actively trying to access that information in illegal ways? Um, and uh, that, that's been the hunch for a long time. Well, and that's the distinction, right, is, as you pointed out, that we at, at this newspaper, for instance, uh, if people come to us with something, um, you know, we have an obligation to look at it and see whether or not it is of some value. Uh, if somebody's been hiding something, if this is a whistleblower, if this is, you know, information that's meant to get out there, but we don't encourage them to do it. We certainly don't encourage anyone to break the law. Um, also, that's called receiving information right. and then making a considered judgment of whether or not to, to, to publish it. That is certainly how WikiLeaks has presented itself, but we now know that is not the case. Right. His lawyer, um, Mr. Assange's lawyer says he was just trying to protect the source, but not really. I mean, he was trying to break into a, a, um, a computer. So it's going to be a big, um, a big problem uh, for him going down that uh, going down that path. We're likely to learn an awful bit because WikiLeaks is very murky, right? I mean, we don't know a lot. We're likely at some point to get a fuller picture of the story. I mean, the one thing also you mentioned with real journalists, um, as opposed to having a few um, servers around, you know, if the Wall Street Journal makes the decision to publish a piece of classified information that the government doesn't want us to publish, but we think it's really in the public interest and it's exposing some wrongdoing, there's, there's skin in the game. The Journal is a uh, an institution based here in New York. You know, it has financial assets. There's a lot that could go wrong. This kind of internet thing where it's very vague and you just put a server somewhere, there's not a lot of accountability if you get it wrong. Yeah, well, especially when you can go hide out in the Ecuadorian embassy for right. seven years, um, and apparently you only get tossed out because they didn't like how you were taking care of your cat. I mean, it's it's a it's it is a brave new world, um, and you know, for a long time, remember people it was <coughs> hard to even track where Assange was at times. So right. Well, we'll have to leave it there, Kim. You, we live in a crazy Washington. Um, where for some people, Julian Assange is the hero and Bill Barr is the enemy. Uh, seems to me to get it backwards. You've been listening to Potomac Watch from the Wall Street Journal. I'm Bill McGurn, uh, filling in for Paul Jago with Kim Strassel.